Welcome to the debut of Believe in Giants. I'm Bob Popple, along with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. And uh, Carl, it's going to be a lot of fun during the course of the season, communicating about the Big Blue, talking about the Giants, how this team is going to go, year two of Giants head coach Joe Judge. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to covering during the course of the season on Believe in Giants? Well, I want to be able to talk about the things that you and I normally can't get to during the course of a live game or during the course of a post-game show when we can really look on the, on the inside of why things worked and didn't work without worrying about the next play going. I want to talk about, you know, individuals that we don't spend a lot of time on that, you know, fans may not um, know a lot about. And then we, let's just be honest, we both have, uh, social media followings and we see things on social media, we'll be able to address some of those things um, that the fans, the issues that the fans raise. And, you know, from how good is a tight end or how good is a general manager? And if a guy who didn't get the job as general manager is right about this current general manager's picks, you know, these are all things that we can just throw out and have a discussion on. It's science football. Yeah, we're going to try to, you know, we're going to bring you guests during the course of the shows. We're going to give you blue breakdowns of leading into the games, coming out of games, what went wrong, what went right. And it's going to be an opportunity. We're going to look for you guys out there, you Giants fans, to participate as well. You know, you could send us some questions and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we could, you know, clear up some misconceptions because obviously – you won two Super Bowls. Uh, you understand what's happening on the football field because even for those of us that have been around the game for a long time, you don't know what you don't know. And exactly. unless, you, unless you've been on the field, unless you played it, and unless you've been there in the heat of action, uh, sometimes it's hard to figure out what's right and what's wrong. I mean, because there is a lot of noise out there. That There's a lot of noise. And, you know, you sit from, the, you know, some fans, it, well-intended some, some are not, but <clears throat> they sit from a distance and they don't know what goes on, not just on the field, but in meeting rooms or in personnel rooms. So their view of a player is based on the sampling that they got, right? And there may be a reason why you don't see more of that player because maybe he can't handle that much yet. So there's there's a lot that goes into this and, and this will be a really good platform for us to bring some insight. All right, we got a, we got a fun guest to kick off the Believe in Giants podcast um, because this guy is roll up your sleeves. He's right out of central casting. <laughs> I mean, just listening to his voice. Uh, makes me laugh, but he's he's passionate about the Giants, and he's got a lot of good information. So we welcome to the debut edition of Believe in Giants podcast. We welcome in our good buddy from Giants Insider, Chris Bizignano, who joins us here on the debut of Believe in Giants. Remember uh, back in the day when you played for the Giants and there was that uh, electronic store, Nobody Beats the Wiz? Yep. Nobody Beats the Biz. This is true. <laughs> is. Quite an introduction there. <laughs> Chris Bizignano, who is, uh, does a great job talking about the Giants, covering the Giants with uh, the Giants Insider newspaper, joins us here on the program. And uh, Chris, welcome to the debut of the show. I know you've always wanted to chop it up with us on air. So now's your opportunity. How are you feeling about this team this year? 
Well, first off, guys, it's an honor, I guess, no question, to be on the debut show here. And um, getting to our team, how do I feel about the Giants? Well, Bob, Carl, I feel a lot of good things, but I don't, I don't think there's any question. The biggest concern is what? Right? Heading into next Sunday, the offensive line. I mean, that's what it's all about, fellas. That's the biggest concern. We don't know. It was a question mark going into camp. It's a question mark in September. It's a question mark going into week one. And we're going to see where we're at in seven days. You know what, Chris? I, um, I, I have a different major concern because when I looked around the league, there are not many people that got their offensive line straight yet. There are a lot of offensive line issues around the league. Um, so my guess is that they'll do what they have to do. And, you know, obviously, um, if you get Saquon Barkley back in the mix, that makes everything better. Mm -hmm. But my biggest concern coming out of camp, and I'm not going to say it's a major concern, but it's a big concern, is the decision-making of the quarterback. Mm -hmm. We know all the good things he can do. Um, but, a, you know, a quarterback is pretty much, you know, when you talk to any coordinator, when they're, they're looking at quarterbacks or who fits what system, the number one thing they say is, can he make good decisions with the football? Now, for, for a large part, Daniel Jones has been responsible in that area, but he has some head scratchers that come at the wrong time. And I think that's the area that concerns me, his decision-making, or, you know, being in sync with what the offense is supposed to do um, at particular times. So, you know, I pointed out to Bob, or we discussed it during their last game, there was an in-cut, um, I think they had, they had um, Booker, running. I think it was. Yeah, Booker in the slide, he comes across, there's a window there. Now, he gets sacked on the play waiting for something else, mm -hmm. but play design and protection normally goes hand in hand, mm -hmm. which means if that play is designed to get the ball out of your hands, you don't have to worry about taking the sack. So I don't know if they say, well, that sacks on you, Daniel, because here's a guy wide open. You just hit him. He's there. So it's just a matter of him <clears throat> making the right decisions or good decisions at the right time. And there's been a few of those. Um, that's a sack that he could have avoided and the chains would have been moving. And then down in the end zone, ro rolling out, uh, trying to throw that one. It's just, you can't, you cannot be in any mindset that says, I need to take points off the board. It's feast or famine. No, you got three points already. You got to be able to um, just, you know, throw it away. So let me let me let me let me take you guys to the to another frame or window on this overall picture. You talked about decision making, Carl, and you know, you had picked up on that during the telecast. You know, there's Booker crumbing across, there's the window, get it out, take your gain right there, and let's keep moving. But is so does does this go back to the point of I got all the good work that they got in the joint practices, but did he need to play in more game action in this preseason to see things like that? 
to do no, to because in it, real situations. Well, because those he's getting, you know, the, the 10 plays he got or 15 plays that he got, I don't think that makes a difference. I just think that is that's more of a situational awareness and being in the moment slash um being in sync with your offense. You you get you get that rhythm of your offense in practice and obviously against competition, but if you can practice it against a lot of different looks, it's great. But the bottom line, Bob, if if you chunk a pitching wedge or a sand wedge often and you said, oh, I dropped my head, right? But if you go through everything that you've practiced and you hit it cleanly, you know what you're supposed to do. So it's just a matter of situational awareness. Like, okay, here's the play. I got a guy, if this window opens, I'm getting rid of this football. I don't have to go anywhere else. And when you think about the weapons they put around him, guy like Tony, or how about this? I'll make it even simpler. I haven't said a whole lot. Think about Eli Manning to Odell Beckham, crossing route, get the ball out of your hands and let him do the rest of the work, right? Mm -hmm. Eli was keenly aware that his offensive line was good. There's only a certain amount of times during the game you're going to be able to comfortably take a shot. But in the meantime, here are some plays right here that you can take, put in the hands of a guy who can just really get something done with you. He has to understand that those are weapons that they put around him to do the work. He doesn't have to do all the work. Call. That, make sense? that was a long way, but did that make sense? No, no, I, I got it. But, but is, that, is, that, is that your fame, Big Pen? Yes, it is, sir. You See how much it? I think of you two guys? Look, I even broke this out. Biz with the Bick. Biz with the Bick when he does Call. his breakdowns. And you know what, Bob and Call? This is what I've seen all camp. I mean, I've put it on, and I'm at, you know, all the training camp practices, and I put it out there numerous times, up and down, up and down. A good 11-11 team series, then he'll make a dumb decision with the ball. We saw it against the Patriots the other night. This is, now, Carl, what I have to ask you, this is year three. How concerning is this? When you look at Daniel and you see now in year three, he rolls to his right. Let's call it year two. Mm-hmm. Even though it's year three, let's call it year two in this offense. Okay. How concerning is it, Call, that he continues, and Bob, obviously, that he continues to make some of these decisions? Is it a huge concern? And I saw it numerous times in training camp practices where he'll make three excellent decisions, he'll throw a ball in a tight wind, and then all of a sudden he'll make a, a kind of throw where you look at it and you go, hey, Daniel, what the hell was that? How concerning well, is that for you guys? For me, it would be less concerning if he didn't have the ability to make those wild plays. Um, if he was just a guy that, you know, had to manage the, the game and didn't have a lot of talent, you'd be very concerned because he put you in the hole. He has the ability to get you ahead and to um, – make mistakes and put you in a hole, but he can get you out. Um, I just think it's, it's a matter of repetition at the quarterback position. He's had a lot, um, but it's, again, for me, it's situational awareness. I think he's smart enough to comprehend that. Hey, listen, I, you know, 
I'll, I'll go back a little bit in time. You know, it's not like Eli, especially early in his career, made every right decision. No, oh, no. I mean, no. you know, I mean, year three was 06. They got in the playoffs in 05 and they made the playoffs in 06. But it's not as if, you know, Eli was coming out of every game with a QBR of 110 and finishing games with a completion percentage of 68%. I mean, but eventually he got to where you needed him to get to. I think this is just I think this is just a huge year for the guy. I mean, this is where we're going to find out you know what you have moving forward on this player. If Galladay is relatively healthy, which it looks like he's coming around, and Saquon looks like, you know, if he could stay healthy and obviously Ingram's banged up. I don't even count Tony at this point. Right. I'm not I'm not even right. counting Tony. Uh What about John Ross? Yeah, I'm not even counting him. But if they could get some of these guys back, um, and then you got Sterling Shepard, and I think Slayton as uh, with with Galladay there, and if Galladay's healthy, I think it just opens things up for Slayton, who we know can make some big plays. We're going to find out about Daniel Jones. We're going to get a clear picture. We've got 17 games to get a clear picture on him. So I, I, I'm looking at the upside, and I'm looking at the positive side. I know there's a lot of people that, are already ready to throw him under the bus. Mm. But, you know, just go back That's to ridiculous. Eli early in his career. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. Far from it. Far from it. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not down on Daniel Jones, the quarterback, and his ability. Um, all I'm pointing out are the things that are going to make him the quarterback that they need him to be and to really um, step into his, his abilities. Um, again, it's just, you know, understanding what the offense calls for. It's like you're not only a quarterback, but you're a point guard. You know, you got to know where people are to get the ball to them where they are, not necessarily on the, the deep passes, but you just got to know the timing. You got to know the timing of a play and, you know, um, this is the second year in it. I'm not sure what the tweaks are in the offense, but I'm sure they tweak it on a daily basis based on what, how they feel about the offensive line. And he's just got to be in tune with that. He's got to spend time not just looking at routes, but looking at the timing of plays. Remember, and just, just to finish up this point on 06, uh, the Giants won the division that year at 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay. Remember they beat Washington last game of the season. They won the division at eight and eight. Eli for that season was 57% for the year, 57.7, 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 18 interceptions with a quarterback rating of 77 that year. Mm. That was year three. So I think you got to put it into context a little bit. So we started about the old line. Mm-hmm. Biz, are they going to make any more trades this week and bring in anybody else? <laughs> no, I think we're done with that. I think they feel pretty good now with the two trades and the and the one pickups. Um, but look, how do you take it? Well, the depth was horrific. Gelwin goes out and gets a couple more bodies. Okay, and you know what, Bob? Even Sunday, are we? You know, is Matt Perth the starting right tackle Sunday? We're going to see this week in practice, right? Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas struggles last week. 
I'm not too, I mean, am I that concerned about Andrew Thomas? Should, should you be a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, but I think the kid will be fine over there left tackle. But what are we talking about with this offensive line? I'm Bob? betting soldiers starting week one. Uh, well, that's Bob. That's, that's what right, I was getting huh? at. Right. That's I was getting at right that, tackle? Bob. Yeah. What call? No, I was asking Bob, is it right tackle or left tackle for Solder? No, I think you'd be I, I I listen, I think Andrew Thomas picked the worst spot to have a bad day. Yeah. Because it's not like <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, the only game in which, you know, the starters were gonna get all those reps. And he uh, look, he didn't he didn't play well. He spit, faced the music. He, he was up at the podium after the game. Yeah, yeah, he didn't was... blame anybody. He showed a lot of maturity. Look, he had a pretty good grade last year, and fans will forever be polarized. And then, of course, you got all, all the Monday morning quarterbacks saying, I had him as the fifth-ranked tackle the year he came out. What were the yeah. Giants thinking? Forget about that. That's nonsense because it doesn't mean anything. He's on the Giants. Right. That's water under the bridge. But I got to think with the Broncos and with their front, I got I have to think that, and, and plus Hernandez still is not great at picking up things, reading the, the, the twist, the, the twist. I mean, the basic, he, he I, I think, I think you got to have a guy like Solder in there, Carl and Chris in week one, just to be stable, who at least he's going to see stuff. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, call. Go ahead, Biff. No, I was. That's what I was getting at before. No, I like, was, look, um, what? The the Andrew Thomas situation. You say he went to the podium. He accepted. At least he knew what he was doing wrong. Correct. He overcorrected. So when you have a guy who's not not lost at the position, who just stands there and say, "I got to get better," he he told you. He says, "Listen." I worked on some things this offseason and I over, you know, he, he and his coach both said he overset or underset um, against the Patriots so he can find a happy medium. I think he'll be okay there. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and, and only one of those sacks, by the way, can't, this is coming from Judge's mouth. One of those sacks was his fault. The first one, the second one, I believe it was Ted Lawson over left guard didn't get over. Okay. Mm. That, 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 that's from Judge's mouth. Okay. Telling somebody. Being a left guard, what, who's playing left guard? Well, I believe it's going to be Shane, Pop, for sure. As long as that knee's holding up, I think it will be Shane uh, Sunday afternoon. And getting back to it, I agree with both of you, man. I, I mean, depending on practice this week, I see Solder at right tackle. I, I do not see Pert coming out against Vic Fangio's aggressive D. And that's one of the reasons why. And you just guys just said it, you hit it right on the head. Will Hernandez, and you see it on tape, right, Call Bob? He struggles identifying twists. There's no question about it. It's right there on the tape. Yeah, it was a lot of that in the um, in the practice versus uh, the the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they were you could see some of the struggles there, and you know a lot of it has to do with alignment. Again, these are and it, but Hernandez is in his what fourth year now? Yeah, fourth yeah. year. Fourth year. Yeah. Contract so year. Yeah. His his trouble started in Dallas his rookie year, and they've been giving him twist ever since. You know, when they put him out in Dallas and they were running those those uh, in tackle twists, he struggled then and he has not really quite figured it out. And it's this is a function of also knowing alignments. You know, when you look at alignments, and that's something that you know Nate Soda can help with. 
he there's a certain alignment you got to have to run a twist or else your guys are going to run into each other. So, you know, just be alert for something and then it becomes footwork. He's got to continue to work on it. But again, if you can run the football, yeah, exactly. It takes a lot of that stuff away from a defense, yeah. but if you have nothing on offense in the run game, then you're going to face the music. It doesn't matter what your offense, who your offensive line is. All right, so let me throw this out, this topic out at you. Speaking of running, so Saquon, he's done a lot of things that have everybody encouraged. Carl, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I want to get both of your takes on it for the Believe in Giants podcast. Um, you know, as I've said to people, week two isn't the following Sunday. Week two is Thursday. Mm -hmm. So it's a short week. So you got Rudolph coming off an injury. By the way, I saw him gassing up in Hoboken this morning uh, <laughs> on his way to go visit some family. Um, you've got Galladay making progress. So here's the, here's the million-dollar question. Are they getting these guys ready for re week one or week one and a half? Because realistically, realistically, if you're looking at it objectively, the NFC West is loaded, right? The worst team in that division is Arizona. Barring injury, uh, if the Niners stay healthy, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. The Rams now have Stafford. They got Aaron Donald. They got a good defense. The Seahawks have Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll, so they're always going to get something done. I think the South is going to be pretty good uh, with the Saints and obviously the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. I think the Falcons will be better, and Carolina is going to be good. Carolina's going to be better, yeah. And then you got the North where you got the Vikings. Uh, we know the Packers are the cream of the crop. So if you're looking at this realistically, this is a long ass preamble, but most likely the only way you're getting to the playoffs is winning the NFC East. Yeah. It's probably not going to be a wild card team coming out of the division. Would be my guess. If I was, if I was guessing. Yeah. Barring injuries across one of those divisions. You're right. So isn't it more important to have them on that Thursday night? than necessarily that Sunday game in which you're opening at home? Um, I think every game for this team is important, but yeah, you want to win your division game. That's the one you want to focus on. Um, but you got to, Bob, you, you got to have the right mix of players and you worry about it after a game because, you know, you've, you've done pretty much all camp exactly what you're saying. It's been low management. I don't want to bring them back too fast. And I'm not talking Barkley. I'm talking about all the other guys. Put them out there and let them play. They train for 17 games and let them play. I wouldn't worry about bubble wrapping guys like Galladay. When he's healthy, he's healthy and ready to go. You know, Bob, are you go ahead. Not again. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, I, I, I think that Joe Judge is going to look at it like if they're good to go, they're playing Sunday. And we'll worry about Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, I get you. I get your point, Pop. I really do. Because it's the Redskins. The, uh, excuse me, the Washington football team. Oh, I know. I just committed. A, I just committed a uh, violent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's uh, Washington. It's a division game. I get your thinking, Bob, but I do not believe Judge is going to be. I think it's going to be. Hey, if we're good, they're good to go. They're playing Sunday at four twenty-five. I'm not going to be looking ahead four days later to Washington. Yeah, and the other thing they're not thinking about, but if you think about it from an organizational standpoint too, right, is it's been a rough decade, barring 2016. 
Um, yeah, really. You got to you got you got to give your you got to give your fans something to get excited about. And, and twenty. You, yep. You guys are right. If these guys, if the medical staff and the players say I'm good to go, I guess you got to roll them out there that first game. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Unless, yeah, yeah. Unless you are subscribing to the <laughs> my other favorite topic. The um, the players association of not working guys too much in games either. They never said that, but that'll be next on the agenda. <laughs> that might be next call. <laughs> yeah, that could be next on the agenda because they're talking about like you know you can't work out in the offseason, all this other stuff. But um, I say that you know you know tongue in cheek a bit. But football players play. They've worked all offseason. They've you know they're bought into Joe Judge's system, so it's. Be mentally ready. They'll take care of the body. Will take care of itself. You know, a guy like, you know, with the exception of Saquon, you gotta, you know, see how he goes from one week to the next. But I'm sure they're not going to give him the ball 50 times in the game either. How are they going to get hits for him? Remember, Joe Judge said uh, prior to the New England, the week of New England, he said, "Well, we got to ramp it up now." And and, and we got to get him some hits before we're going to put him out in a game. Well, Carl, if this was, uh, you know, 1989, um, there'd be no issues with that. Script the goal line, script uh, five plays of uh, nine on seven. Five. Well, go. Yeah. So, <laughs> in today's, so in today's NFL, how do you do that? Like they um, did the other day, guess... Pop. Like they did the other day in practice. They, they just hit him with the shoulder right. a little bit. That's today's NFL, Pop. That's the way he's getting hit leading up to the uh, Denver game. Well, that might be the way they hit anyway. Most of these players in the league don't hit you like that. They'll thud you up anyway. Most of these guys don't tackle. We'll see a lot of bad tackling early in the year, which is also a good thing for Saquon because if you got these teams that are not tackling well, he could hit the ground literally running. You know, I, I, you, well, Denver's a very good football team and um yeah, they're, co they're coached up over there but, uh, yeah they're coached oh, up they're coached up over there and um obviously washington really good defense they're coached up well too but you know um we'll see you know the other topic giant topic that all of a sudden popped up on my timeline yesterday was let's trade evan ingram when we can get something oh my god can we stop at that, please? Could we please stop at that? What are you trading him for? Hey, the Vikings could use the tight end. Wait, Quinn, wait yeah, no, yeah. it's it's such bring a, Dalvin back. It, it's <laughs> such a um, oxymoron because they'll say he's always heard we need to get rid of him. He's can't he's he's got no value. Let's get what we can. And then you say, okay, if you feel that way, do other teams? Why would you? You know. Plus, I, I just think there's way too much um, talent to walk away from when you don't have to. Um, he's in the last year of his contract, so you're basically playing with house money. It's, you know, um, but he's just, I, I, I don't think fans quite understand whatever you've seen from Evan Ingram, however many plays it is, it's better than they've had here in a long time. Now, obviously, you want him on the field. The best ability is availability. I get it. But, boy, he can make a difference. And, you're you, know right. what, and you know what he's got, guys? You know what he's got this year that he's never had, unfortunately, for him? 
and I don't, I don't think it's too late. I don't think it's ever too late. But I think uh, one of the things where I think they could have served him better since they drafted him, he's never had a veteran presence in that tight end room. Mm-hmm. He's never had, you know, that mentory type guy, a guy who could obviously still play, but who's been there and has the pelts on the wall. He finally has that guy. Yeah. Yep. And Kyle Rudolph, who is, you know, one of the great teammates and guy hasn't dropped a pass in three years. So, you know, maybe that's something that helps take Evan Ingram over the top two this year. I, wh- hey, why Pop. would you get rid of him? Hey, Pop, that's a great point because what does Kyle really bring to the table? His red zone off, right? He's great in the red zone, Kyle. The little things that you could do in the red zone to make that play in the end zone, something Evan's never had, right? Now Kyle comes into the room, they sit down and they look at film and Kyle points out this and that and this and that to Evan, mm-hmm. right? These little things that could maybe put him over the top. Just I'm not saying it's making him this old world tight end and all that nonsense. I'm talking about maybe put him over the top and take him to that next step where a guy like Kyle, who has like 41 red zone touchdowns in his career could show Evan. Okay. And like you said, yeah. Or even oh, on like third it. down, even on, even on third and four, third the and little six. Things. The little things, Pop. I remember Jason Witten eating the Giants up every yeah. year on third and six. And you knew it was coming, and you still couldn't stop him. Right. Dropping him in those certain zones, sitting on those routes. I mean, the things that Kyle could teach him mm-hmm. is invaluable, in my opinion, Carl and, and Bob. Okay? And, and like you said, that's an excellent point. This is the first time in his five years that he has – a tight end like Kyle sitting next to him at every meeting on the practice field saying, Hey, Evan, why, why did you do this? Hey, think about this on this route. Think about this with Daniel and all that. So it's invaluable. A guy like Rudolph, man, it, it really is. And- you know, he spent some time at the um, <clears throat> tight end U with a lot of other really good yes. tight ends, the league's best. So I'm sure he's, you know, his confidence is is through the roof right now. Uh, throughout camp, he looked he's looked Best great. Camp he's he's looked had. confident. Yep. Um, you know, people. The other dumb statement people make about him: well, he can't block. Well, he's not an inline blocker. I mean, when you just look at him, you know, he's a willing blocker, but he's not. It shouldn't be counted on to run a um, ride thirty seven power. He's just not that guy who's going to, you know, knock your defensive end off the ball. He'll get in the way, but he's not your power blocker. So that's the other thing that people need to back off of because that, that's just not the player he is. Hey, call. look, we all know Evan could be maddening, okay? We know that. Oh, yeah. How frustrating. You point it out all the time. I point it out all the time. We've talked yeah. about it off, right, on the side, me, you, and Pop. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about the guy could be maddening. We know that. Okay, but I've also put on Twitter and wrote an article about that this is going to be the year for Evan. I really feel that, and I've been destroyed over it on Twitter because Chris, what are you on drugs? I'm sick of this guy. Get rid of him. How can you say that? It's the same all and all. But I tell you what, guys, he was a hundred percent healthy in this camp. Now I know he, I know, he, I know he has the calf thing going on now and all that. I'm talking about during this camp, he was one hundred percent healthy. He came in this camp, the best shape of his life. I don't think there's any question about that. He actually admitted to it a little bit. He got into a little bit. Not that he wasn't in good shape, but he even was in better shape in his camp. And I put it on Twitter, and I'm going to keep saying it, guys. 
when Evans health, hopefully this calf thing doesn't linger. Okay. I think he's going to have a very big year for the giants. Now I could be wrong next January. I could be look like the biggest idiot. It's the same old stuff. This is the way I feel about him. I don't know how you guys are, but I think in year five, this guy finally puts the whole package together. He's an Uber talent. Um, you know, people say, well, he cost us the Washington game. I mean, the Philadelphia Philly, game. The Philly. Yeah, the Philly game. And I had to point out, well, your quarterback cost you the Pittsburgh game. There are a lot of causes of games. He, you know, he just happened to be the late, the last one when the playoffs were on the line, but you win, you know, your hey, Pittsburgh game, you make some other well, decisions. The, how about the quarterback in the Tampa game? They're yeah. beating the Buccaneers, and he fumbles twice in the third quarter in plus territory. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's he's the punching bag for being the most recent situation, but there are so many things you can point out where as a team, they hurt themselves, not just one drop pass that kept you out of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, even that Philly game call, you remember when the Eagles got the ball back, Ryan Lewis has no idea where the ball is. He can't locate the ball in that sideline pattern. Gives up the big play. I mean, was look, look, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Was Evans drop huge? That would have sealed again. Yeah, we know that. But the point you're making calls what? Okay, it's the one play. We get it. But there's other factors into why they lost. Yeah, it's the most recent. Yeah, it's other factors of why they lost football games last season. Like Pop just brings out Daniel Coffin up twice in a plus area. You can't do that and win games against a team. Not against Brady. You can't do it against Tom. We know that. We can't do it against Tam. Quality team like ten can't do it. You're not going to win football games, coughing up twice in the red area. So it's just so many other things. Like you said, Carl, Evan is a punching bag. I get it. I I get it. But there's other things. Just be objective. I understand Evan the drop, but you know what? I remember specifically, Carl. We talked about it. That Ryan Lewis play right after that, where they hit down that right sideline, right? And we were like, Ryan, you got to locate the ball in the air, dude. You know so he's not on I mean? the team anymore. So, no, I know. I'm talking about last year's game, uh, call, yeah. uh, Pop, you know. And so the point being is that there's other factors, too. It wasn't, you know, so. Anybody, hey, Biz. Yo. Go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. No, anybody um, surprised at the B.J. Hill move? Carl, I got to be honest with you, brother. I know I know you. I didn't even have him on the 53, Carl. That was me, my opinion. I did not have him. Call me crazy. But I saw the way he snaps, and then the last game was because he was getting traded. But I thought they were down on him, call. I, I, I thought they liked the kid Johnson better, and I wasn't even sure he was even going to make that 53 call. I'm, you know, maybe so I'm crazy. Funny. I'm just telling you the way I felt. It's so funny you say you didn't even see him on the 53. He's always – that's kind of been the story or the arc of his career. He's just – he's you know, whatever his contributions are, you really don't – paid that much attention because he's always had, you know, really good players. He's had snacks and he's had, um, now he's got Leonard, Dalvin. Leo. And so, yeah, he was just kind of the guy who comes in, but I think he was expected to be a bigger part of the rotation, but, you know, I don't know if he, he didn't stink. He didn't suck. It was just like, you know, what was his impact? You just ask yourself, Wow. And it was when I saw it, I'm like, I'm hearing more and more about Ray Ray. Um, and it should be Ray 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 because it's Raymond Johnson the third. <laughs> so it should be three rays instead of two rays. Um, but um 
I guess they're high on him. They, they like Johnson because he, you know, brings a little bit. They talk about his motor. He's got a high motor. Well, hey, here's call. where, okay, here's Bob. where, here's where this, this is why this season is so important because I think the BJ Hill scenario is a microcosm of why this season's important. Follow along with my dotted line, my follow the dots here. Organizational stability. Remember, B.J. Hill was drafted before this coaching staff was here. B.J. Hill had five and a half sacks as a rookie. Looked like he was a promising player. Absolutely. No knock on the previous regime, the current regime, but certain players fit into scheme, coach's eye, whatever. Role players. You know, not your studs. Your studs are your studs. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And that's why... This team has to be successful this year for stability, because if they're not successful, there'll be some more changes and you can't constantly draft guys that look like they're a good fit in one system. And then you're turning things over and now you got another system in there. And then that player becomes expendable. He was a third round draft pick, right? That's a, that's a high pick. Mm -hmm. But so that's why the BJ Hill scenario, in my opinion, is an example of why they need to have a good season showing, arcing up. I don't know if it's a playoff. I don't know if it's nine and eight. I don't know if it's 10 and seven and they don't get in, but it's got to be showing this, you know, Mm -hmm. let me get to the camera this, Mm -hmm. because if it's going that way or more of the same, Mm then suddenly now you're looking at seven and 10 coming off six wins the year before. There's going to be changes. Yeah. And then you run into that whole scenario again of what are the changes? Who's seeing players through what lens and how do they fit to what we're doing now? Mm-hmm. Bob, were you surprised so by the B- Bob, were you surprised by the BJ Hill trade? No, because I think, you know, we, in our production meetings with Joe judge, you know, they, they were very high on Johnson. Um, and you know, it's, and, and they had to make a move because the old line stinks. I mean, the, the, the keep, they've been rolling out the same dudes in camp every year, practice squad, uh, hoping that they're going to improve and be at least quality backups and spot starters, and they're no good. I think the Zach Fulton and uh, Joe Looney retirements might have been one of the biggest things, one of the yeah, worst-case scenarios for them this summer. That, that, threw the, that threw a huge monkey wrench in their plans. <laughs> There's no question about it. That yeah. threw a huge monkey wrench in their plans. Yeah. Hey, Biz, uh, before we wrap up here with you, um, first tell people where they can follow you, you know, all your social media and how you do your Bic Pen thing. Okay, and then I'd... tell us uh, tell us how you went from wearing a Mark Bavaro jersey to now being a giant insider. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you can follow uh, on Twitter at Giant Insider um, for all the tweets and all that good stuff. And from a Mark Bavaro thing, it just was freelance writing. Um, look, Bob Call, um, always been a football addict, always studied the game as best as I could. Obviously, not through the eyes of a guy like Banks and, and you, Bob, and all that, but I always studied the game, always was a student of the game, and started freelance writing years ago. And the editor, Jerry Foley, of uh, the giant aside, I liked some of the stuff I sent in. Um, liked, I guess, the knowledge and all that that goes with it. And 
asked me years ago to start if I had to, wanted to be interested in being the beat writer for the magazine, for the newspaper. And um, obviously I said yes, and the rest is history, Pop. That's where we're at right now. And, uh, well, talk, you know, obviously, like you said, Pop, to have like a Mark Bavaro type guy, you know, uh, Italian guy, I got to wear a Bavaro jersey back in the day, Pop. You want to stay where I'm coming from with that. I understand. And then the next thing you know, you know, interviewing the guy and actually, <laughs> you know, communicating with him on the side now, you know, with, uh, you know, on the Texas and talking about it's been quite a, you know, quite a turnaround in my life, my man, for, for, <laughs> for the last six years. So, uh, that's where I'm at right now, bud. And now here I am talking to Bob Papa. And, uh, of course, the legendary, in my opinion, Pop, you see me on Twitter, Twitter all the time and, you know, got a little ball moving on Banks last year. He didn't make the 25. And in my opinion, you know, 58 should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'll say it to the day I'm, to the day I die, Bob, you know, the reason why Mr. Banks is not in Canton is because, you know, of Lawrence, you know, opposite of him and, and all that, I, I still to this day, I don't know about you, Bob, but I feel that the writers didn't want to put Carson, Lawrence, of course, and Call in. Um, you know what? I can say this for a fact. Aside from your um, Hall of Fame theory, that 100% factored in with Pro Bowls every year. Oh, and I, I've oh, been I, told I that. I've been told that. Like, yeah. And then they would turn around and put three guys in from New Orleans, but they would say, we didn't want to put three guys from New York in the Pro Bowl. Well, all I know is this. Carl is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, all 80s team. Yep. So I I think, Carl, I know you don't have to comment on this, but, you know, Drew Pearson was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think it was the all 70s team. And it took him a long time, but eventually Drew got in. I think Carl eventually will get in because sometimes you need some of the older guys to look at it through a little bit clearer lens than it gets looked at. All right, Biz, we appreciate a couple minutes, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Believe in Giants podcast. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. Thank you very much. This was fun. <clears throat> Carl, I mean, I know you're not offended knowing Biz that he had a Bavaro jersey as opposed to a Carl Banks jersey. Because, you know, back then, back in the day, you know, you, if you had a jersey, you had, you had one jersey. Yeah. Now, people... People today have closet like my son Max. He's got, he's six and a half, and he's got like fifteen jerseys. Yeah, decide which one he wants to wear on which day. But no, it was it was always if you talked to any fan. Oh, I had a Bavaro. I had a Banks. I had a Taylor, and they they wore that one jersey because that was the play that they were huge fans of a team, but they had that one player that they resonated with. But you know the irony of that is when we look out of our press box when we're doing radio and we look down in the same section there's two jerseys there are guys that sit right next to each other and it's a banks and a bavaro jersey and i sent that to uh every year i send it to mark and he just chuckles because you know it's just kind of sums up our our careers you know two guys that had to go at it all the time in practice really good friends it's uh, it's always fun to see, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, a lot of Saquon jerseys now in MetLife Stadium. But the Banks, Bavaro, obviously, the fifty sixes and elevens are still out in full force. And now, yeah. with Eli being retired, uh, certainly there are a lot of tens. Carl, this has been a lot of fun. Look forward to the next episode, and uh, we'll see what this team does uh, next week against the Broncos. But it's going to be a fun ride and an important ride for a lot of players on this team.
Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Hey, tell all your friends, spread the word, join our army. For Carl Banks, I'm Bob Papa. This is Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.